Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Probably a good opportunity for me to just give a shout out to our sponsor on the show this evening, that is John Cat Educational. Um, John Cat have teamed up with us again uh, in the coming months, which is really exciting. If you are interested in purchasing a John Cat book, you can do so at the John Cat website, johncatbookshop.com. You can use the code JCTTR2324 and you can grab yourself a book by any John Cat author with a 20% discount, um, which is pretty cool. So check that out. I'm going to hand over now to Tolu. Thank you so much for that introduction, Tom. Good evening, everybody. It is so good to be with you this evening. If you are in teaching, from I'm going to say most of us, we have reached the end of half term one. Give yourself a huge, huge round of applause <laughs> because it's been a bit, it's been a bit tricky, just with the weather, especially. I don't know if any other teachers can relate, but we've had really warm weather this half term but we've also had really cold weather this half term and it's just been up and down sickness has been everywhere it's just been a whole thing so if you have made it to this point well done you and just go and get yourself a snack or a beverage and just sit back and enjoy this evening's program so you've already heard about john cat um but definitely worth having a look at i did have a sneaky browse And they've got some really great stuff on there that I think I might actually purchase myself to do with primary teaching. So definitely worth having a look at their website. So I'm very excited about this evening's show because it was a topic that really just, it intrigued me from the minute I I read about it. And I think it's partly because I am a relatively new parent. Um... So I thought, oh, 
that's actually a very good point. So today we are talking about parent apathy towards school attendance. And I am very excited for this one because I have a brilliant guest with us today. We have the lovely Tony Mason, who is a head teacher in an inner London school. Um, and she's actually my school head teacher. Um, so I do value her time because I know from experience she is a very busy lady, so I don't take that for granted. But if Tony, you would like to introduce yourself, that would be fab. Tony just needs to call in first. Um, bottom left, I have requested. Um, so oh, there we go. There we go. Oh yeah, I think it's worked out. Hi, hi, Hello. Tony. Good to have you. We can all hear you, which is excellent. <laughs> How are you today? I am really good, and yeah, I'm really thrilled that you asked me to um, join you, Tony. Just not number one because I'm a bit of a fan of your um, uh, telecast. I don't know what we actually say podcast really, um, but attendance is so key and it's such an issue for so many of us and there's been such a change so it's a really good topic to be able to bring and have a chat about definitely I'm so glad we've got um a head teacher as well because you can really give us that insight into just how important attendance is and you know what the reality of it is I was really hoping to get some some parents on to just offer a different view um because my little one is she's just turned a year old so she's not of school age unfortunately so anything I offer is probably going to be hypothetical but we are basing this on an article actually that was written and some parents did make some comments so actually that's quite a good starting point for us as well but one of the things that is very central to all of this is the big C it's COVID coronavirus this whole attitude shift towards attendance really started after COVID or maybe even during it shall I say so I guess the first question I have for you Tony is what was it like to be a head teacher during that time (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, Tolly (laughs) it was it was so challenging um, I'm so thankful for the amazing team that was around me, though. But for having children on on school size, we never closed, not one day during anything. Um, and we had children on site, then we had children off site, then we had children, obviously, um, court places um, for different reasons. So it was a myriad of just going going with the flow going with whatever we had to deal with at the day and I think that for all families as well it it became a right we deal with what's exactly in front of us we deal with what we have to and instead of that whole idea of planning for the future and we have to we have to do this because we want to get to the next step it was pretty much let's survive today let's let's get through tomorrow Mm -hmm. let's handle let's handle this week and I think that that underpins the change in attitude from families for attendance but during COVID it was every child being contacted in some way every day and Mm. if they didn't appear online or at school then it was a phone call chatting to the child to make sure everyone was safe to make sure that we were in touch and that nobody was in an unsafe situation and that uh, that burden was immense for everybody and I and I can only thank the amazing team that was around me for the families that we supported and kept safe helped to keep safe because the parents were doing an amazing jobs so it's not just one but yeah 
there's a lot to unpick about being a head teacher in COVID, but it's all about the team. It's about the team who's around you. Definitely. And those phone calls, oh my goodness, they became such a... I actually really enjoyed them just because, I mean, the children make the job, right? So when they're not there, it was very strange. And and you started to really build relationships with these families, mm-hmm. which is why I think it's quite interesting that um, in this article, one of the points that they gave, because yes, they said that COVID was a big part of, or rather it was the start of this seismic shift um, in attitudes towards attendance, they say. Another reason they gave was that there's mistrust between schools and families which I find quite interesting because you know those phone calls that we were making every day if you didn't build relationships then you know you kind of think what were we doing for all that time Mm -hmm. but they were talking about you know parents and families not trusting schools and that's why they feel that you know attendance isn't such a big thing anymore I mean there's quite a there's a variety of reasons but I did find that one quite interesting I, and I don't know what you you think about that, Tony. I think it's I think there was a lot of mistrust. You had a system, um, or you had a culture where everything was happening at such pace, and guidance was changing daily, weekly. Um, messages that we would receive emails from a DFE or from other sources on Friday nights, on Sundays, on any actually any at any point at any time, and then those messages had to get out to families. So they were dealing with a, like a a system that was just coming and going and coming and going and but then you've also got an absolute um mistrust built in by different people feeding different stories and different stories getting traction of schools aren't doing this or schools are doing this or government's doing this or government's not doing that but then you've also got that mixed up with the whole um issue of the um uh, vaccinations and the trust about the speed that that worked with and then you've got a whole system linked to that of sections of our community that very rightly have a history and a, um, a mistrust in the medical profession and we are so linked to all of that and we became we became the front because um, a lot of the services like uh, speech and language support or children and family services they weren't going out to any families we were the contact with all our children we became ve- we came, became messages for all these other agencies so you've got families who have had very negative experiences with some of those um, areas and quite rightly so I mean if, if you just look at the health outcomes for some of the groups within our community they rightly have a an experience a negative experience and so you have all these um stories or people's um people's stories and people's lived experience that were playing into all of it and then we were changing things from week to week day to day and i have no i absolutely reasonable for everyone to have a bit of a mistrust i think at some point in a real just a just a humanistic way sorry that's like totally that's a big answer to (laughs) (laughs) that's just some of my thoughts i suppose and they are my thoughts i don't represent anybody or any one thing but yeah just in terms of people's lived experiences really do play into all of these these things in what was a very scary time for families. We had lots of bereavements. We had 
an increase of like nearly 700% on previous years of bereavements. And so you had families all knowing somebody or knowing somebody or somebody that died. And then you've got all these, that fear building into these lived experiences. And yeah, there was a lot of mistrust. Mm, It's so true, especially what you said about schools being the front of it all, where we were the only people the families could really speak to. We almost became just everything (laughs) at that point because they couldn't just go out and and see friends and you know see family and go to the shops they couldn't do any of that normally but they could you know drop off their children especially if they were the um what's that term key worker children there we go um so we would see them and I can imagine that it was it yeah it must have just been really difficult and I'm trying to think with my parent hat on now thinking oh my gosh what would I have actually done and how would I have felt you know knowing that some children were able to go to school but mine couldn't or I had to take my child to school thinking about how anxious I would be that can only yeah I can only imagine and feel for the parents that you know had their school-aged children at that time and we're really still seeing the impacts of that now Um, not only in attendance but just in a variety of areas I think it would be really interesting to do like a psychology psychological study yeah and one of my friends who is a psychologist is actually listening so maybe she can help me out with the term <laughs> but you know those long-term studies where you kind of follow people from childhood into adulthood it would be really interesting to do that with our, the COVID probably- children the COVID generation because they've just been affected in so many ways but um Yeah, just bringing it back to attendance. I found this comment really interesting and I I wanted to unpick this a bit. Mm -hmm. So parents have written into, well, they've done interviews of parents essentially. And this one mother, I'll just read it so um, I'm not paraphrasing, but it says one mother of children aged five and ten said pre-covid i was very much about getting the kids into school you know attendance was a big thing education was a major thing after covid i'm not gonna lie to you my take on attendance and absence now is like i really don't care anymore life's too short and i just thought wow that we do put an emphasis on um on attendance and we try and celebrate it wherever we can although you know there are there are different schools of thought about celebrating attendance but I I just found that point of view really interesting that you know life's too short another parent said that um you know they've been off for months so taking them out of school for two weeks on holiday what difference is that going to make and as a teacher I'm thinking oh my gosh it makes a huge difference because I know what I'm able to plan for and and pack into two weeks but with my parent hat I'm thinking oh yeah you do have to consider children's health children's well-being and young people's mental health has been on a decline as well so there's there's so many things but it's that idea of attendance just isn't that important anymore as a head Tony what what would you say to those parents it's 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 really tough because you're absolutely right you've not only got the historical element of historical element I talk about COVID as historic now um but you've got that idea of yeah actually let's just take 
let's suck the marrow out of life. Let's actually take the opportunities where we get them. So you've got that now. But also you've got, you've got for schools particularly, and a lot of London schools will talk about this, is they, and a lot of schools in, in the UK serve um, and have children and families that are working really hard to make ends meet. So holidays are off the table for a lot of families. So when they're talking about, well, the difference between us going and not going is taking you out for two weeks, they're sort of, it's sort of that very realistic um, crisis of of um, rising costs and don't nothing looking like it abating in any time soon. So you've also got that that's playing on it. But for a teacher, you've got to sum up with not only do children who go out of school for two weeks lose that pattern and that repetition, and particularly for children who have additional challenges in whether it's um, send or language or another area for them to lose two weeks means that when they come back they've got to catch up those two weeks of learning because learning is a sequence everything keeps building on what you've learned in the session before and the lesson before so they've got to catch up those two weeks and not lose the two weeks that they're currently learning so the the teaching workload is really really increases for the child cognitively it becomes very hard to not have a cognitive overload of trying to catch up and therefore losing self-esteem and that feeling like you can do it because you feel like you've missed out and you're behind so there's a demotivating factor there there's a a, definitely an added workload for teachers to be able to catch those children up and also for parents to try and get them to help us be able to catch up that so you've got lots of mitigating factors there so for me we are only at schools 39 weeks of the year there has to be something to helping families have these holidays in time so they don't lose out their learning. So rather than all this talk about extended days, let's actually focus on how we can have families and help families be able to achieve it so they don't have to feel the pressure of taking their children out. That's a lot of soapbox moments there, Tolly. <laughs> I bet it, it's a very provocative topic and I, th- I think that's why I was so excited to, to really yeah. delve in um, because – yeah, I mean, even as a teacher, I <laughs> there are times where I wish that I could just, you know, take annual leave and just book a week off in the middle of October, or actually, no, we have half term, never mind, different month, November, <laughs> let's say, when it's cold and when it's dark, and that I could just jet off somewhere nice and warm. Yeah. But of course, you know, we can't do that. And sometimes when I see the parents doing it and taking their children out, my parent brain again you know like yeah. I, I understand it I absolutely understand it because the ticket prices are ridiculous mm-hmm. um just the, the difference in price so I can understand it you know financially but at the same time it's like it, it's everything you said I'm thinking about what this child has missed and how that's going to impact them in future and you did touch on you know um children with additional challenges additional needs that routine is really good for them in most cases and it's like sometimes you you know you see these children come out of school and they return after an extended amount of time and in some cases it is like going back to to square one you're having to build these routines again you're having to to get them used to everything and that's before you've even touched the learning that's just Mm -hmm. the behavior and the and the routine so there's definitely a lot that comes with that um but yeah I just it's so tough because again children's mental health children's well-being even physical health 
it's think, yeah totally but we're not even mentioning actually the um the parents who actually get time to be with grandparents or extended family that they wouldn't have been to, able to get to and them filling up their own cup their own oxygen mask first so mm. they're better equipped to be a parent in this this very busy full of pressures world and um uh, yeah there's so many there's so many elements here totally like it's tough yeah yep it's so true um and who is it here i'm just going back to this article again yeah because they've talked about just going back to the whole mental health thing i'll just read a bit of it yeah um it says that parents also talked in this interview at length about their concerns about their children's mental health and how this impacted upon their attendance they often blamed schools for not doing enough to support their children and I read that comment, and that was a bit of a punch in the gut to me personally um because I just thought oh my gosh we are doing everything we can but the resources that we have are so limited and it's like I think that's where that mistrust comes in again but it's almost like I don't know how we can reassure our parents that we absolutely care for their children and that we're absolutely doing our best but we can only do so much with what we've got and it's like if they don't understand that that's where that mistrust comes in and that's when they start feeling comfortable to keep their children away from the one place that actually might be you know the best and safest place for them so I don't know how do you feel hearing that that we're being blamed for not doing enough exactly the gut punch that you're talking about because you just know how much time and effort that not just me but the the team puts in for every parent that um for every teacher and and support staff member that talks to somebody in the playground to holding parent coffee mornings and just listening 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 i think that i think for me it's about and where i have to go right there is a concern being raised what action do I take on that? And I think that two things, it's consistency of approach and consistency of expectations to say, absolutely, I'm not going to let my expectations drop in any way for anything. So, yeah, I'm going to expect that for children to be here and for them to have a steady routine, knowing the expectations for not only for their learning behaviours, but for their um, for their attempting of new learning or recalling um, their past learning to be able to build on it and retain it for long-term memory for their, yeah, their learning behaviors, their presentation, their respect for all those elements is to absolutely have a consistency of approaching that and to have that reflecting what the parents are saying at the same time. Um, you've, you've got to go small steps at the same it's so to go right well yes we can constantly be building on our approach and getting that one more parent in on in and really living and believing in the ethos and the vision of their school and and the community element of that so i keep going okay so that's one parent that we quite we haven't quite been able to reach the way we wanted to reach what's one small step i can make now to help and to change that and to not believe that it's every parent and it's every family because there are so many that, like in some of our parent um, mornings that we had like, a couple of weeks ago, literally saying to them, what else do you want us to do? What else can we improve? And they've gone, 
actually, let's keep going because I like the improvements that we've made. And so you're going, okay, great. I've got that. I've got that parent. We've got that family on board. Let's get another one on board and keep bringing back and changing the tide of trust that we lost during COVID because of just the remoteness and the isolation of the whole experience. So I think that that, Tolu, I have to keep moving forward. I have to keep going. Let's get one more family back in. Let's get one more child back in and back into the way and our collective way, I think. Yeah. Mm, Definitely. And I think what... What I'm essentially hearing from what you're saying is that it's all about relationship. Yeah. And I mean, so many things in our lives are, it's who you know, and it's how you feel about who you know. Um, And I just think that, again, with cost of living, with COVID, Mm -hmm. with employment at the moment, our parents are working so hard that sometimes school isn't, as much of a priority as or building relationships with the school that their child is in isn't always at the top of the list the list but it can it just brings such great rewards um but on the topic of work actually something that I did find quite interesting was um this whole working from home thing Mm -hmm. and they mentioned that parents who well since covid those that have now moved into working from home they actually agreed that it it wouldn't make them more likely to have their children off school which I thought was quite interesting I thought parents that are working from home they might have different views thinking oh well if I'm at home my children should be at home or that it's okay if they miss a day or two but actually it seems that they are more pushing for their children to be in school and I can understand why (laughs) I only work four days now and it is very difficult to get work done with a small person running around so <laughs> I did find that quite interesting but um it's, I think it's... I think totally that also goes yeah. back to what what circumstance people have got right because mm-hmm. you've you've got some families who have got enough room to be able to go right well this is my workspace you guys can be in that space but a lot of um the families in a lot of inner London schools have and I'm doing a broad sweep here an absolute broad sweep they don't have the space to be able to mm-hmm. have because the children will be in the same room as them and that's almost impossible yes that's so true because there was I was having this conversation just about well in getting ready for this show with another music teacher actually and he's got school-aged children and he went down the route of he was quite interested in whether there would be a class so class divide whether there would be a difference in the class of families that are big on attendance and those that aren't so he mentioned that um his more middle class families because he works in a slightly more affluent area but um you know they are absolutely fine (laughs) taking a holiday in the middle of term time one because um I mean they can afford to take one whenever they like but also they seem to have it in well this is what he's telling me that they think oh because they're more well off to put it plainly that they can afford to catch up they can afford to get the tutors they can do the extracurricular activities and they'll be fine but with our working class families it's a different kind of attitude and I thought that was quite interesting I do Mm. think this article mentioned something about class actually I'll just have a quick scroll to find it but um yeah I I didn't 
ever really consider that there was a class difference, but perhaps there is. Yeah, I don't... I, I'm not, without going into too many specifics about our school, uh, the vast majority of families who've got nearly three times the national average for children receiving their pupil premium grant. So that sort of gives you an indication for the levels of at our school. So for us, we we don't have as big a mix as some other schools. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I did find that quite interesting because essentially this article is saying that there's just a fundamental mistrust of schools in general and that even more affluent parents also expressed a disenchantment with school, although they felt more disengaged than angry, which I found quite interesting because I do feel like you're only as engaged, like you get out what you put in. So I don't feel like schools are doing any less than they did before COVID they're probably doing a lot more so if as a parent you feel that you're disengaged I'd be quite interested to know why that is um but I don't know if I have any parents listening and if I do please request to speak this is not a we're not talking at you you are very very welcome to join in the discussion so if I've got any parents listening please please do feel free to give your point of view but um yes parents feeling disengaged I don't know about that one because I feel like that's up to you surely as a parent to choose how involved to get I don't know what do you think about that Miss Miss Tony? <laughs> um, I think you've got you we talked before about relationships and I think for us what we absolutely know from coming out from where we are at this point of the year and the history that we've had over the last five years is that it's all about individual people and everybody has got their own specific reasons for their actions that they're taken and I think that when we stopped looking at collectives oh well these parents aren't turning up or those parents aren't doing this and you actually go let's let's chat to those key parents who are those children who are uh, persistently absent who were you know more than less than 90 percent I should say those who were severely severely absent which is what less than 50 percent and then having a look at each one of those cases and the only way we've been able to change the tide is to to treat each each family each case as a separate family and a separate case yes we've put out the notices about don't take term time holidays we won't be a we won't be um, approving them etc etc and yes you know every every lesson that you arrive late to you've you've lost that learning from that lesson that you need to then catch up in a already congested timetable yeah we've done all of that but it's not until you go to each family and one family um was unable to have their uniform clean and they knew that they would um we were having a refocus on uniform so they didn't want to send their child so their child was vomiting in in in, um talking marks um so they couldn't come in that day because they didn't have their clean uniform so it's absolutely about getting in and talking to those families and unpicking those key reasons because i don't think unless you have those relationships and you're talking to the families each separate one that you're going to make a significant change i think Mm. yeah that's true that it's it's definitely a case-by-case basis and it isn't mm-hmm. right to to paint everyone with the same brush. I absolutely agree with that. But, <laughs> again, uh, thinking with my parent hat, <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, if I could afford a tutor, like weighing up the cost of a, of a tutor in comparison to 
the cost of going on holiday during school holidays. Yeah. Possibly, I I can understand parents going for, you know, just just taking them out. Again, I'm not actively encouraging this, guys, please. No one should come for me. Actually, well, my employer's here anyway, so it's fine. (laughs) But... Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a tough one. But um, this report actually has some recommendations. So I, I thought, let's let's put on our, our policymaker hats on mm-hmm. and, and let's, let's dig into this. So recommendation one, a review of how schools and the wider education system communicate with parents and messaging. So, oh, and the messaging that, that we're sending out. I mean, mm-hmm. speaking for our school, I think we're, we're quite good. We are very, you know, we make sure that we see parents on the gates. We are quick with phone calls and emails and all of those kind of things. But I'm, I mean, it says a review of how schools are doing it, but I, I don't see what could change that would encourage that attitude in attendance to change. Because I feel like schools are communicating the way they've always communicated, even before COVID. So I'm not too sure if that would have such a huge impact on how parents feel about attendance and and how they view it. So I don't know. Don't know if you've got any thoughts on that one, Tony. I yes and no. And we've been evaluating who's reaching and how we're reaching it but also having a, an eye on our budget at the same time going, right, well, every time we send a text out to parents, it costs us this much. And actually we can use this free app and that free app, but parents aren't paying as much attention to the messages they get from those apps. And mm. the amount of time that people actually read all of the inf- important information in our newsletter, you absolutely are. And we've changed, we've changed the way of celebrating some of our learning and, you know, moving into more of the Instagram sort of model and those sort of things. So really moving with the times. I think that it, I want to almost know because there's just not the capacity to be able to go into so many schools like we used to because of workload and things like that. So maybe it's about having a look about sharing some best practice of how people are doing that rather than um, survey. I don't know, because, every school's going to be different right and there's some schools that are going to be doing it and having more impact than others let's share that for different cohorts maybe i'd maybe some best case scenario it's some best practice sharing tolu yeah yeah i mean they're recommending a review i don't know who would be doing that review but um it'll be interesting to see what they come up with <laughs> yeah the second recommendation a review and potential abolition of absence fines, which are deeply unpopular, and that's in quotes. Now, this is not my remit. I have never issued a fine. That is not any of my business, quite frankly. I show up to teach, I do my job, and I go home and continue the work there. But absence fines, I have... Yes, talk to me about those, Tony. Have you had to issue any in your career at all? Yeah, we definitely have. There's such a process, though, and people can appeal it and go and then just get them thrown out. So, um, But for different reasons. As long as you follow the process and procedures, they can be be employed um, and people can pay them. I'm not so sure that the punitive measure, (laughs) the punitive part of it is going to change families 
attitudes to school and learning. And when we're talking about the rest of the, the things in the article about trust in schools and relationships and people feeling like they're being listened to and, and then we're finding them, I, I doesn't feel like the right direction. And punitive measures never really in my head for that tend to be the case because people just evaluate and go, well, I've got a grandparent who's really ill and this is my time to be able to go and say goodbye to them. So I'm actually just going to go, right, yep, I'm going to pay the £120 or whatever the fine is and I'm just going to go, well, this is my grandparent and they were dying. So I'm, if you're at the point where you're going to go, doesn't matter, I have to go, what's the mm. use of a fine? Yeah. Because this is what I was thinking. I don't know, like I said, I don't know very much about them, but mm. I do wonder about how effective they are and I don't know if you can recall any experience ever but have you ever issued a fine and seen it work has that family you know made an effort afterwards or I'm asking you to think quite far back because you've been doing this a long time but <laughs> yeah um, any any thoughts I just I to be fair it's gone through such phases where we it used to be issued by the borough um, that you were in and they sort of the truancy element of it they took over it and they were the ones dealing with it so it was out of your hands I mm. think that the element of being caught before COVID was a, maybe a little bit more effective than it is now because for a long time no one was really issuing fines because we had issued a message of right if your child has a cough or a, a sneeze or a sore throat stay at home and now then we came back and now the guidance is obviously if they've got a, a, a sniffly nose or a, a sore throat send them to school we'll send them home if we need to so uh, the change in messaging has come so quickly and the fines and the way that fines are dealt with has has changed so dramatically i i can't see and if i'm stating my own opinion um fines i don't think play a huge part in changing the culture mm. Yeah, I would agree. And I mean, just even in this cost of living crisis, I don't think, I feel like if, the, and again, this is a generalisation, but if parents can't afford to bring their children to school for whatever reason, maybe they live far, which I'm finding more, mm -hmm. actually, just families being displaced and being put in, in schools that are so far from home and they've got such a journey to make. And TFL, I mean, we're in London, can't speak for anyone else, but transport is expensive, whether you're driving or um, taking public transport. So it doesn't seem like the best idea to then give those pet families a fine, because if they can't afford to get to school, they're probably not going to be able to afford a fine. So I do think that's quite a good recommendation, actually, to review um, absence fines and... Mm what the the sanction is and I don't even like using that word really because and how effective they are yeah exactly mm -hmm. so that's fine okay I feel like I know a bit more about those now so I've learned something today um other recommendations so they've also said to make so they recommended improvements to the accuracy of school level attendance monitoring systems so that information shared with parents is accurate in today's educational environment students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face -face, online and blended learning courses canvas by instructure 
helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. I don't know. You'll have to tell me. As a head, Yeah. are there often... Well, not often, but does it happen that mistakes are made and that has an impact on attendance at all? No, it's not so much mistakes, but in different ways. I mean, we've had other systems in the past which were harder to engage with and harder to correct and find issues and then it would only be at census time that you'd go oh my gosh we've had this many codes used for this many reasons and that's not actually they shouldn't have been used in that way so it's about being accurate uh, being quite accurate with what codes and how they're being used now with the system that we've got where we print out and have an evaluation on a weekly basis so mistakes are um, few and far between um, and if a parent comes in and says look I've got this this and this we've got we've got our notes and our attendance registers to be able to go actually this is the conversation we had with you on this day and that day so mm. it's because we've gone so much more electronic and that is a legacy from COVID I think is that we were able to really have a look at our systems and um, structures for recording some of these things because we had to have at hand information for whoever was using it in whatever space they were using it. So we did change and move in a better direction for how we record things. So for us at our school, I think that we're quite accurate with the codes that we're using. And because we're doing a weekly analysis of it, I feel that there's not many mistakes that we make. Oh, go us. (laughs) But um, yes, that is another recommendation. So, I mean, if it will make an impact on attendance, Mm -hmm then I'm all for it because I, I do think that children need to be in school and not just because of the the learning part of it but school offers so much more than that just yep. the social side is so crucial at that age primary and secondary and I'm definitely seeing as I'm teaching day to day that the children that didn't have that socialization during COVID definitely act differently to to the the children that did basically have that socialization so I think that definitely needs to be part of the conversation because I'm thinking as a parent now 
you know, I'm hearing attendance, attendance. Our school's so important, you have to be in every day. If I'm thinking it's just about the learning, well, learning can happen in a variety of ways, especially if you've got a qualified teacher as a parent, yeah. fine. But it's it's that social aspect of it that I think maybe schools need to do a better job of, I say advertising, just celebrating almost. Because there was something in this article about um, more parents are choosing to homeschool, which I found really interesting because... I mean, we we study to be teachers. We pay to learn how to be teachers. So part of me is thinking, you know, if, you know, someone with a qualification versus someone without a qualification, obviously that is not to say that you cannot be a great teacher of sorts without having QTS. That's not what I'm saying at all. But there is a reason that we train for this profession. So I do find the rise of homeschooling quite interesting. And I don't know if we've seen much of that, or even just throughout your career, um, families that pull out their children to, to homeschool. What are your thoughts on homeschooling in general, actually? It's, it's, really, it's really tough to say, because I've seen um, some examples where children have made some really great progress with um, homeschooling. But at the same time, it's what's around that for um in our world now we know what's happened with children who didn't have that socialization didn't have that contact with others because at those moments of learning how to share how to get along how to listen to a peer if children are getting homeschooled alone or in, in pairs and they're they're such different ages they are absolutely losing that ability to be able to negotiate or communicate with others and I think that that's something that you just can't underestimate. But also, education itself is constantly changing. As teachers, our CPD and what we're exposed to and what we can get a hold of. I mean, whether we're talking about um, subject um, competency of, you know, how much we know about a subject that we're teaching, particularly in whether you're talking about primary or secondary there's a huge element of being an expert in your field, particularly in secondary, and then for primary, having a generalist knowledge of being able to teach what you need to teach and, and being able to teach in different year groups and in different ways. And I don't see how a family who's homeschooling has the capacity to be able to have that exposure mm. to all of those things for their own CPD, their their critical knowledge. And with our changes that we've made with our curriculum and the conscious, critical choices that we're making with what we choose to teach and how we're teaching it, um, be it through the text that we're choosing to teach the skills or whatever it is, that they are not made in a solo environment. They are made as a collective, critical teaching staff and that is the strength of schools that cannot be reproduced in a homeschool environment i'm just gonna butt in there because i it is a highly fascinating conversation just to say mm -hmm. that this show is brought to you in partnership with john cat educational publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world um, if you're interested in getting a discount from john cat you can use the code jcttr2324 you can get 20% off any book at johncatbookshop.com. Um, so if there's anything in there that tickles your fancy from a professional development standpoint, then you can get 20% off johncatbookshop.com. JCTTR2324 is the code to use. Cheers.
Oh, you just beat me to it. That's me. That's have my influencer moment. <laughs> you just got there before me. <laughs> but um, yes, definitely check out John Cat. They've got some amazing titles on there. Um, like I said, I probably will end up buying one or two myself because I love to read. Don't have as much time to do it as I would like. But um, yes, definitely have a look at their website, johncatbookshop.com. Um, thank you to everyone that is listening and that is joining us. Welcome if you joined us a bit later on. But we are talking about parents, parental apathy um, towards school attendance and you know just how important is 100% attendance and we've just been talking about homeschooling actually because there has been an increase in homeschooling since COVID um and Tony you've made some absolutely brilliant points that I completely resonate with because even me again putting my parents back on just constantly switching hats in this conversation you know qualified teacher I've been teaching for a number of years now I could there are a lot of things that I could teach but that could only go so far because I don't have a Bunsen burner in my house and sodium or whatever chemicals for chemistry lessons I don't have all this PE equipment I don't have you know a bunch of actually no I do have a bunch of music this space was downloaded via spacesdown.com visit to download your spaces today full instruments that one I can do but for other subjects you know those resources that you would get in a school that expertise you would get in a school that diversity that you would get in a school is very difficult to reproduce and I absolutely agree with you there um and also just you know having an environment to do that well in inner London, I mean, if you've got the space for it and you've got a gorgeous house with outdoor space, by all means, <laughs> you know, if you can do it and make it work, fine. But I know that I I don't have space for homeschooling, quite frankly. So I will gladly take my child to school and hopefully they will have 100% attendance. But it's interesting. And again, this is where I wish I had a teacher who was a parent. Um, because I know as a teacher, just me personally, it's hard for me to take a day off because I'm thinking it's more work and I'm sure all teachers will agree with this, but it is more work to not be in school because of all the things that you have to leave for someone else to do. And it's in those moments that you realize just how much, one, how much we do as teachers, but two, how much we do it on autopilot. We just have our routines down. We know what to do, but yeah, so it's just really hard to take a day off. But then if you have children now, it's like you you as a teacher need to have your attendance to be quite high. But then also if your child is sick, you have to look after your child. So it's mm. such a... There's always something to juggle. It's all one big juggling act, this this teaching game. <laughs> but I do think that you know, health has something, it's a big part of it. And one of the recommendations is that um, there should be more of an investment in SEND and CAMS to significantly improve attendance. And I do think that's, that's so key because I recently spoke to somebody who discovered that their cousin, I think it is, has an additional needs and they want her to get um, assessed. And the waiting list to to be in touch with CAMS or to have an assessment or whatever the 
process was. They said that the um, waiting list was about two years long. And I just thought, that that's just so tough because as a parent, what do you do? Do you keep sending your child for them to, to be struggling? Do you keep them at home where you can try your best to, to give them that support and give them that learning? I mean, investment definitely has to go there. Um, and I don't know how much we work with CAMS and, and what are, I mean, well, I know about RSCMD provision, but any thoughts on CAMS and, and how that can help our attendance, Tony? Yeah, I think that's really key to bring up um, children with, particularly with anxiety-based um, avoidance issues with school. And I think that absolutely lends itself to a conversation about the different programs that are running in the different boroughs, I think. Um, and we personally, we have a mental health um, CAMS assigned person to our school who is now next term running more parent sessions and I'm really interested to see the take up on that because it is a way an, another way of getting into um, camps and I know that in different boroughs have different groups and one of our one of the groups that we have that support schools for children who are at risk of exclusion or um, are having significant challenges in school is that they have also got an attached CAMS worker. So there mm. are a couple of, if you're engaging and you've got some options there, it's about knowing how to engage and trying to not beat the system, but to go, okay, so if, if the general waiting list isn't working, I've got routes B, C, D and F lined. I've missed a letter there. It doesn't matter. But um, you've got other routes to try and help those families because there are so many, but it there just needs to be investment and more money going into CAMS because of the impact that they can have in a very short time on helping families support each other and support a key child. Yeah, definitely. And again, I think this is where that trust needs to come back because if you don't trust your child's school you will not ask for the help that you need and a lot of the time there is some sort of some form of help available but if you have this mistrust as a parent then you know you're only doing yourself a disservice Mm -hmm. um so yeah again relationships 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 so so key um right the last recommendation which everyone is going to agree with i would hope (laughs) is that schools should be funded better because other strains on education systems are manifesting in the attendance crisis so Mm -hmm. money 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 a lot of abbott this week and i am not ashamed but um, yes funding 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 in terms of attendance specifically, because I feel like every head teacher probably has like a Christmas list for what they would do if they got more funding. But in terms of attendance, if we were by some miracle to get a large amount in our budget, what do you think you would buy, change, fix, remove to help attendance specifically? Um increase the face-to-face support for key families um, and that be that through our attendance offices or the the wellbeing support. Um, Options for walking buses and things like that, so staffing 
staffing allowances to be able to to be able to employ somebody that could two staff members to be able to pick up some key children whose families just through a myriad of reasons can't uh, like find just getting out of the um, front door a real challenge but actually if we could pick up their child it would it would help so that's definitely there um increase the amount of families that we could help by offering breakfast club and extended services for because we know that actually once they're here we can also help them with homework and other things in those extended hours so staffing and capacity to offer more additional places um oh my gosh it would it would be a pastoral it would be that pastoral manager like that pastoral support for families. Mm. It would absolutely be additional staff members to be that link so that they can help signpost them and um, to the different agencies to the different people so that school becomes the hub and not the enforcers. I think, mm. and I I just I wish I had the money for the amount of people that I think could do an amazing job with with families in that way yes yeah and again it's relationships because it's people it's people that that bring in those families and those children and it's that human connectedness essentially it's not policy that's going to bring these families back it's the people but I do think that would be an interesting question to raise at the next school council meeting <laughs> ah. i would love to know what the children would spend money on that would get them to come in every day i'm sure we, um, a swimming pool would be top of the list well we maybe did. jelly beans <laughs> we asked if we... sweets i don't know i think we should ask the children <laughs> we we asked the children what they how they'd improve the school with this week and it was all about the swimming pool it was about the heated <laughs> swimming pool and it was about um a multi-level um sports pitch Oh, yeah. That's what they wanted to do to improve our school this week. Fair. I mean, I, I'm quite on board with the sports pitch. Actually, no. anything to keep them active. No, but no. yes, it, it, it's all funding, and, and we know that it, it's a problem everywhere. So that would be nice. Oh, we just pray to the powers that be that that something changes. Yeah. And I, I was going to go off on a tangent about someone and 25 million days, but I'm not going to do that because that's not what our show's about. I today. know. I've, I've had to hold my tongue a bit because I've just gone, you want to pontificate a little bit about a few things. But actually, you've summed it up there, Tolu. It's all about the relationships that you've got with your families. And when they're saying that they're not trusting you, then let's find out why it is and unpick that and show them what we're doing. And if that's not working, then why isn't it working? Mm, definitely yeah love that i am just having a look at some of our tweets and i can see from is it charl charlie i'm so sorry if i've mispronounced that i do apologize but do feel free to request to speak as well you are absolutely free to but she has said that we should equip teachers and staff with tools to respond more effectively to student mental health needs aimed towards prevention it helps yep. their overwhelm too so retention rates improve and that part and she also mentions that the partnership between parents and staff is essential and I absolutely agree because I do find that there are times where and this was more when I was in the secondary school space actually not so much in primary but you know these children would be going through things and I 
of course you follow your safeguarding policy but beyond that sometimes I am thinking right what is the best thing to do in this in this scenario you know how can I comfort this child how can I reassure this child um so I do think that you know equipping teachers and staff all staff is such a great idea and I don't know if there are any organizations that do that there probably are but it it might be worth schools looking into that um if that's not something that they do already Mm. um yeah what do you think um tony oh 100 think so and i think that that um the more aware we are um enables us and people go okay but then it becomes too much oh well this child's doing this and that and that child's doing that because of this this and this and it's not about excusing but it's definitely the more you understand the more you can make sure that you're able to whatever action that you take is going to have an impact it's going to have an effect on whatever you want to change so definitely about family so you're understanding more about the triggers for um, avoiding school and the anxiety around that so the more you understand about it it's going to help you reach and change behaviors and, and change culture which is is really key and I think that um that that tweet is so important because attendance will not change you will not increase attendance unless everyone feels that they own it and it's it's not just down to the person that's having the surgeries it's not just down to the person picking up the phone and going oh yeah my child has a sore toe bring them in um Mm. it's 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 about everyone having that ownership just like we have with and both around mental health as well but everyone having that ownership we are all working towards helping our children in to attend more to to be present because we know the impact that um them being here has and how effective it is yeah absolutely i'm 100 behind that love that and i can see that our thriving educator um is actually a speaker she is muted i'm wondering if you are able to speak to us so we'd love to hear your thoughts well, I am here. Are you? I guess, I guess I can go now. Yes, <laughs> please. You know, this is such an important conversation that you're having because um, I've been in education for over 20 years, and I taught I, K through 12, but I ended up teaching 20 years of high school, and I got to teach my students about how their brain worked and what their underlying behavior was all about, so that essentially they can understand themselves, so they could be a little easier on themselves as they grew up and transitioned into adulthood. And I also spoke with their parents about it and they would go home and speak with their parents. So unfortunately, so many of my students were struggling in mental health way before the pandemic. We all know this, that was a problem Mm -hmm. well before the pandemic. And so I ended up becoming a licensed clinical therapist because I wanted to understand structurally what was going on, contributing to the personal and family problems we were having and why they were not only showing up at home, but in our school systems. So I kept asking myself that. And so doing work with families in crisis and and adolescents in crisis have helped me understand that this is, it cannot be on one person's shoulders because we lose hope. And that's why parents sink down to this level of frustration and educators when I when we get those kids when we feel like their parents have given up on them and they send them to our schools and their behaviors show up there and we're like well what why aren't the parents doing anything and parents are saying why aren't the teachers doing anything or why aren't the schools doing anything 
we all essentially just have a hard time carrying the burden ourselves because it's tough. It's a tough thing to do. So that's exactly what I do is I work with schools and I, um, I developed this program to equip educators, but also parents with nine essential skills that it all is evidence-based, but we go back to the basics and we, we essentially need to do like deal with ourselves. Like where's our overwhelm coming from? What stories are we telling ourselves that's keeping us from, from humanizing each other and our children and the parents that we're working with. So that's why I wanted to say something about that because everything you're talking about is absolutely correct. And the work that you're doing is essential as well. That responsive coaching that you all are doing. I appreciate that resource because we all need it. So there's probably a lot more to say, but that anxiety and avoidance is actually a talk. I literally just did two nights ago with a parent group and I will be doing it next Monday in a virtual summit with educators because they are all transferable. And we do need to have that knowledge, just like you were saying. I think Tony, you were saying that we have to understand it, not to excuse it, but so that we can problem solve around it and humanize everyone again. So I, I'll jump off here, but I appreciate the opportunity to, to give my piece there. Thank you. Thank you so much. That You made some great points. And it's true, there are times where there's almost a bit of a blame game going on. You know, the, the teachers saying, oh, you know, what are the parents doing? The parents asking, what are the teachers doing? What's the schools doing? What are the schools doing? And um, yeah, I mean, we have to work in partnership at the end of the day. But we do have a really interesting tweet from a very good friend of mine, Kanayo, who says, I agree, but my issue is that teachers are becoming everything to everyone. And that ultimately puts a strain on our core role, which is teaching. If we are busy being social workers, psychologists, attendance officers, being parents to the children, something will have to give. And you know what? That is a very, very good point. There is only so much we can do. Um, it's true. Like <laughs> We are not just teachers. And I think this is where, for a lot of teachers, this is where we get frustrated with what everyone else thinks about our profession because they think that we show up, we teach, and we go home when there is a whole bunch more to it. Um I mean, the fact that we're even having this conversation about, oh, what can we do to bring families in? That that just goes to show that we are always thinking about these children. We are always thinking beyond teaching. So that's a very good point there. And I'd love to know, Tony, what you think about that. Uh, I was hoping you'd ask me to answer that. It's a conundrum, but I think that um, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know that that's really good point because we are we are constantly trying to look at workload and have that brief of um, what are we adding, what are we taking away because we can't keep adding and adding and adding. It just doesn't. No, nothing successful is going to really be able to take off in that way. But I say but because it's not it's not almost adding to for us to all have our responsibility for attendance, but it's just to have. That the comments that we're the conversations that we're having to parents more targeted and more precise in their nature. So actually going, well, they were absent on Monday, so they've missed lessons about this, this, and this. I've prepared some work because um, they 
can you can you do this at home to catch this up and actually asking parents to come to the table be going okay so you've missed this for whatever reason that it was because the impact on teachers workload to have to catch up that child um, in additional time somewhere in a curriculum is really tough so I think that uh, you're about saying let's not add more but the conversations where they need to be to address those those key points and it's not about saying that we're asking teachers to have extra meetings with key parents but we're actually going right the conversations in the playground or when you're having a chance because a child uh, particularly a primary school child they're not the ones choosing really um, about not attending half the time um, the parents are the ones who have the say so it's about um, that, and I'm totally discounting at the moment and not including where we've got avoidance-based anxiety and, and things like that but I'm actually talking about the parents are often the ones that have made the choice for that child not to attend to to come on a um, for a, another reason that may have been avoidable. So actually asking the teachers to go, you know what, parents can like this is what they miss. Can they can you see if you can get that done so that when they're catching up the work this week, they're not they're not for, falling behind their peers and therefore losing confidence in their learning, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I say etc. because there's, you know, all the conversation that we've had so far tonight. So yes, I 100% agree that we can't keep adding roles. But I think being precise in the conversations and, and knowing that this is actually one of the big things that we need to talk about when we have those conversations in the playground and at the end of the day is, 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 a, is an achievable step. Mm. And I love that you mentioned the point because I was thinking about this and I forgot to mention it but very often the children want to be in school the children love being in school their friends are in school the songs they like in assembly are in school the lunch is in school <laughs> most of the time well, I say most of the time a lot of the time for and again depending on where you teach School is that safe space. It's that place where they enjoy. It's that place that's consistent. They know who they're going to see. They know what they're going to eat. They know like who their friends are, what they're going to play and all of those kind of things. And it's like, it's somewhere that they love to go, but the decision for them to go is ultimately in the hands of their families. And that can be really tricky for our young people. If they are in a situation where, you know, they, they've got no say, they've got no voice. They can't say, oh, dad, I actually feel okay. I feel well enough to go to school. Can I go? And have that, you know, adhered to. And I do think, especially now, I've, well, I wouldn't say more or less than before, but especially now, I do think that children are very good at voicing their own opinions and their own thoughts. And I do think in some cases, letting them have that agency, they, they might actually choose school. Um, I don't know about our, our older ones, but in primary school, I know a lot of them do love being in school. And you see that so clearly when they've got smiles on their little faces and they're saying good morning to you as they walk in. So, yeah, it is important to remember that it, it is the parents, it is the families. And, you know, even the thing about term time holidays maybe even just well I'd say ask the children but it's not the children paying for the holiday so I'll park that comment but yeah there's there's definitely a lot to to say about attendance and that report that came out it really I, I just found it really interesting and 
like I said, my daughter's only one, but I'd be very intrigued to see what kind of parent I end up being in four or five years time, just because everything is evolving so quickly. And I know Tom, one of our other hosts has discussed what flexible working could look like in schools. And we, we just don't know how it's going to go. So we could be having a completely different conversation again in four or five years. But, um, Tom, would you mind sharing actually your thoughts on flexible working in schools? Because I think that'd be quite interesting to just hear about while we've got sure. a um, on the line. Yeah, I mean, I I pretty much said my thoughts in the in the show that I did in the sense that I just think teaching is light years behind um well probably 78 percent of the rest of the country when it comes to flexible working um the practices that have been introduced and are being introduced um in not just the private sector but even element you know even areas of the public sector are so remote so massively different to teaching it's it's actually crazy you know like even just little things you know it's not just the working from home it's it's there's lots of other elements that are being sort of that have filtered in um and they you know some to be fair some of them practically cannot be a part of teaching and they never can be so therefore teachers then need to be compensated with salary and other benefits um but some can be you know even as simple as things like oh like even i tweeted this actually today you know funnily enough is about um sort of teachers having to to sort of either you know pay back if they take an hour off or you know pay back if they take a day for cpd or not get you know take unpaid leave if they want to go and do xyz whereas in a lot of other places even in the private sector where it is much more business orientated they are much more like you know what yep we've got flexible working we've got this these provisions so i just think there's a huge uh chasm to be made up i don't know how it's going to be made up because i still think that in many respects teaching is stuck in the in the sort of you know the the ice age when it comes to like progressive working practices um you only have to look at like teacher application forms like they were made in like word 1995 <laughs> and that's and they're still exactly the same as they were in March 1995. Now, if that is then translated into flexible working, you can sort of see, you know, if no one's bothered to change the application form from like Word 1995 or had the time to do it, to be fair, then, um, yeah, it's a massive issue. It's a huge issue and it's one that isn't going to go away. Yes, thank you for sharing that. And I think, again, like just coming back to attendance, where our families of the students that we teach, when they're in industries that have moved forward, that have progressed, I I can see why they're thinking, oh, okay, well, school isn't that important. You know, they, I didn't go to university or I didn't do this. I wasn't very good at maths. I'm not a great reader. Whatever they've attached to themselves, if they are now doing well in whatever it is they're doing and they've got the flexible working and they've got the working from home and they've got the four day week or whatever it might be, whatever works for them. It's not difficult for them. It's not difficult to see that, you know, they, they probably apply the same thoughts to their children. Like, Oh, you don't need to be there every day. You know, like I'm not at work every day and I still get my work done and I'm fine. But it's again, it, it's all the other things that schools offer 
Um, but yeah, flexible working. I mean, like you said, Tom, there are some things that they're just a given because of the nature of schools. But Tony, I'd be really interested to to hear what you think about that flexible working and especially what that might do for attendance, given that our families might be in these industries that are a bit more flexible and actually the school system might not fit into their working world. No, and and to be fair, the, the, I laughed out loud just when you said the application forms are in window 95 and they still look like they did. It's so true. Um, there's some key things and, and it's absolutely mis you're not reaching the audience that you want to reach because it's not as modern. It's so true. Um, but in terms of flexible working, it's, I was just reflecting on that now it's in a, in a time of reducing and caving budgets. Um, number one, CPD is CPD. You get released for that. You don't pay back that time ever. Um, that's definitely not something I think is a, a model of anybody's effective leadership but um in terms of being able to flexibly work from home and things like that it's 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 something that you need to be open to and i think that have that conversation of what could work and how could it work is rather than saying no it's it's not going to work because we need it to be this this and this and i think that it's only when you have that 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 mindset of being able to go right okay so what is it that we're trying to achieve right, we're trying to do this to engage with teachers or change the way so that we can have their systems work better. But for families, it's really tough when you've got a class of 30 children to try and fit in with 30 different family situations. Mm. So, uh, like, that, that's tough. Like, and, I, and it would be really interesting to see who's been able to do that effectively I think um but you have got I mean with wraparound and extended hours you have been able to meet for instance we started out maybe five years ago before COVID a breakfast club starting at eight and then we were noticing some some children finding that really tough and getting dropped off at different people at like 9 15 9 30 and having a chat to some of those families and they said well actually we have to be at work by eight so I have to get somebody else to come and drop them off but they have to do two other drop-offs so we're the third one so that's why the child is always late and I think through that we actually went we can open up breakfast club at quarter two and then having a chat to those parents they said yeah it's, it's helped and I said what would help more and they said seven thirty, and we went okay done and so it's it's being really strategic because we were able to make that model work without a huge impact on budgets but it's about having those conversations about how could we be flexible for the families so it's not about yeah I think it's about looking at and being really intuitive with your families and those relationships that you have with them Mm. I've talked I told you I'm really sorry it feels like the Friday at the end of the term I've talked that around in absolute circles I hope that there was some, some good stuff in that. At some no, point. it was good. It was clear. We understood. Um, and yes, I actually did not know that about Breakfast Club, but that's good to know. Um, and yes, I think even me at the moment doing drop-offs in the morning, like it, it's insane how early I have to leave my house to make it work. And there were some days where I think it would just be easier to just not go anywhere right now. But, yeah, we do need, I personally think we need our children in schools more than ever. 
not just because of the learning, not just because of the academics, but just, again, those social skills are so important because again, it's hard to reproduce a loss of what schools offer, personally, I think, anyway, because they are little microcosms of society. <laughs> and yeah. we see all sorts of things in schools. And I just don't think that, I mean, you can take children out. I personally, you know, the odd day, a family wedding, something, usually for me, I, when it comes to family things, I, I, I'm fine with that personally. But I'm not a head teacher, so my opinion doesn't, doesn't hold any weight right now. But oh, I do think, <laughs> oh, you know what I mean. Like, it's, if a child takes a day off for a family reason, I I don't know what their attendance history is a lot of the time. Yeah. I just know that they're not there that day. But I do think when it's extended and it's for reasons that are like some of the ones listed in in that article, you know, about holidays and what else did they mention? Um the mistrust and all those things. I, I do think we have to yeah I I am for children being in school and I think that there is of course there is benefit there's there's learning that can happen outside of schools we're not saying that school is the only place that learning can happen but I think the quality of it the the breadth of it I think those are things that are very difficult to replicate outside of a school environment so it's a shame that we have this shift in attitude but I don't know if it's ever going to go back. And I do wonder if part of it actually was that a couple of years ago, we would celebrate attendance. And anytime your child does something well, that's a reflection on you. It's like, oh, my child got 100% attendance. What a great parent I am. <laughs> but now that we don't do that as much, and, and I do agree that celebrating attendance is, is a bit of a sticky one because it's not the child that decides whether they're going in or not, as we mentioned before. But I think... It's almost like for parents, maybe they don't feel like there's any immediate reward, so to speak. So it's easier for them to just keep their children at home. I don't know. Like I said, I don't have children of school age at the moment. But yeah, I I don't know that, it, that that attitude is going to change anytime soon. And it would be, it's. I think it's going to be very interesting to just see how time how over time schools will change how we do education will change and or maybe it won't maybe it will be one of those consistent things that just stands the test of time I have no idea but it will be interesting to to see what education is like in the next four or five years and how parents attitudes towards it are in the next five, 10 years as well. And I know you've been been teaching for some time now, Tony. In over your career, what major changes would you say you've seen in education so far? Oh my goodness, that's huge, Tolly. Um, yes, because I'm I'm not a spring chicken. Um <laughs> although I feel like it sometimes. Um I think that I've taught across, you can tell from my accent, I've got, I've taught across multiple um, continents. And I think that I come from a country um, who, who has 
um, long service leave as part of what they offer um, workers in uh, in Australia. So you might you might be in a job for ten years and be able to take you know eight weeks holiday. And if you're a teacher, you join that to two of their um, for depending which ter- which state you're in. But they can take up like ten weeks off because they join it to the other holidays, and they'll take themselves and their children out of school and off you go. And the conversations that you had with your teacher was. Oh, yeah, how about you do a journal and here's some, you know, here's some ways that you can practically apply maths while you're going around, but make sure you take the time to, particularly if you're going around Australia or you're going around to have a look at the the country, like absorb as much as you can, listen to the conversations, eat out as much as you can, those sort of things. So to come to this country, which I then found out that we had to find the children who didn't turn up to school was like, oh, this is a different place, definitely um, in terms of culture. So I think for me, my changes that I've seen in education haven't just been over time, but just from changing from different parts of the world at the same time. Um, I think that I love... I love being in the borough that I'm at, um, have been over, and more so in the last uh, 17 years or 18 years that I've been here, actually 19 in January, um, being able to just see the change of culture towards education instead of going, well, this is how we do it and this is, this is what you do and this is, um, this is the accepted way of being a teacher, but actually going let's no let's understand what we were trying to achieve and then let's evaluate what could be some good ways of getting there knowing our context knowing our situation and then working that in with the confines of of all the the parameters that you've got with national curriculum etc and then that child-centric approach was definitely has been emerging and now the child-centric research-driven um drive has been a real refresh I think uh just a yeah just a refresh in terms of being able to say all right so why are we doing it why have we chosen this and that critical awareness has increased and I think that post-covid yes we talk about all the challenges that we had but what was an absolute joy post-covid was everything went on the table because you had almost like a circuit breaker period we well, did have a circuit breaker period. You went, right, actually, what was part of our school culture because it was part just because we did it every time and this is the way we did it? And then what was part of our school culture because we wanted it to be part of our school culture and our routines and systems. And there was an absolute refresh about, actually, what did we want to do and what did we not want to do and why were we having those opinions and how we wanted to do it? So for me, there have been those significant periods of change in the way I've experienced education and the way that I've seen it experienced by some and being school to school support and helping um, schools raise the quality on, and have an impact on the quality of um, teaching and learning has been such an eye opener to see all the different heads and all the different influences and just seeing how they put things together. So for me, I think that the changes have been definitely that shift those more that shift towards a child centric and uh, that research critical choice driver that you have. And I love it. I, I'm absolutely here for it every day going, right. Why are we making the choices that we are and having that, uh, that reflection on all levels at all points, and not making knee jerk reactions and not going, Oh, this is a trend or that's a trend, but actually being conscious of the choices that we're making and why we're making them. And 
and absolutely having that light in terms of making sure that our curriculum is absolutely appropriate for what the values and systems and, and that we want our children to be able to be better leaders and better citizens in the future for. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm here for that every day. Love that. Yes, yes, yes. Especially what you said about COVID making us realise that there were some things that we were probably just doing for the sake of doing them and because we've been doing them forever. So why change them (laughs) to now when, you know, we think more critically about everything? And it's true, we do sit down and, you know, we have these meetings. Why are we doing what we're doing? And I think the changes have have been really good. And I hope that other schools are taking that same approach and and really focusing on doing things for the right reasons um because yeah ultimately it is for the children and we want them in school we want them to to be happy with us we want them to be safe with us so absolutely i'm i mean i hope i'm in the profession long enough to see what education will be like. And I'll be very, very intrigued to see what kind of parent I will be as a teacher. Um, because yes, it will be me on the other side of the parents evening table <laughs> in a few years. Um, and it's so funny, I always tell my husband, I'm like, oh, am I going to be that extra parent that wants to see everything? Or am I just going to trust the teacher? Be like, yeah, you know what you're doing, it's fine. Um, but yes, I will be back with a show about that, no doubt, at some point soon. But um, to finish off, I would like to know. Oh, I seem to be having some technical issues. Oh, lovely. I think we're back. Can everyone hear me? Is that okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, Charlie. amazing. Fab. So it said I was connecting, so I got a bit worried then. But um, just to close tony i would love to know i used to do this show on a wednesday and i had a well-being wednesday section it's not wednesday but i want to know anyway as a head teacher what do you do for your own mental health for your own mental well-being how do you detach wind down how do you look after yourself mentally oh it's it's the biggest question um I mean, do do you? I hope you do. Yeah, I know. I absolutely do. Um, And it's not just um, retail therapy um, because that's not sustainable routine. Um, (laughs) One of the best things to come out of COVID was for us to get um, somebody to come into our school and and he works with um, all our staff and particularly... I've made it compulsory for all the DSLs and the deputy designated safe learning leads and leadership to absolutely make sure that we have a session um, with him solo or in a group and and obviously for all staff to have the opportunity to, to meet with him. But one of the best things that came out of COVID was having him with us because he would sit with me and go, right, okay, so what are your plans for the half-term break? And I go, yeah, no, I, when I get to the half-term break, then I'll work it out. He goes, no, that's not looking after your own well-being. And it's and it's still a practice that's in me now two years later to go, okay, so what I want to achieve is I'm going to make this necklace because I've taken up a little bit of um, silversmithing because I love it and um, had so much fun doing it. I'm not so good at it, but 
half the things I've made are broken, but it doesn't matter because I'm still getting better. Um, and it was absolutely about making finite plans with people. He said, you need to make sure that you've made that booking with your friend because if you don't make it, you're going to get to Sunday and go, I'm going to sleep in and I'm going to have this sort of day or I'm going to have that sort of a moment. And it's the best thing because it means that you don't just hit the ground and and just go from not that it's anything wrong with it to do it for at least a day, I think, to go from pyjamas to new pyjamas to new pyjamas um, <laughs> in a day and have that day day. That's not my problem. But it, um, for me, what really worked and his advice for me that worked really well is to make those definite plans. So I've got I've got two sessions with planned with two friends. I'm going for a drive to see um, the Yorkshire Sculpture Park, which I love. Um, so if you're going there in the half term and you see me, just please wave. Um, so I've got those plans to go and see these places. So for me and my well-being, that's absolutely here. And the conversations with him also allow me to leave work at work mm. so that all the stresses and worries I've got with it, whether it being um, parents or families, um, I because I can talk about them and explore them, I'm able to leave more of it at work. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying I do it all the time because I still – wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, what about this family or what about those children? And we've had some real tragedies this t- this half term that have taken up quite a lot of my heart space and my mind space outside hours. But because you get to chat to somebody, there is an absolute element of being able to budget and, and be able to be healthier. So that's a small but a, um, a shift for me. So I'm absolutely able to have a great break. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think that the position that you are in you definitely have to look after yourself and I would encourage all members of senior leadership teams and and teachers and anyone that works in education just anybody it's so crucial to look after your mental health so please 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 do not neglect it but yes we have talked and talked and talked about attendance and parental apathy and SCND and CAMs and swimming pools and a whole bunch of things. Um, But it's just been a really great conversation and I'm so grateful for everybody's contributions. I will just finish by saying that our show, our amazing show, has been brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational Publishing, Professional Development Books and Resources to support great teaching and learning in schools. And around the world i mean who doesn't want that have you checked out their latest releases i have and they are great you oh this is my influencer moment guys there's a discount code right wait for it use the code jctr2324 for 20 percent off your order visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today so please don't feel like you have to wait for your head teacher to announce what the next inset topic is you can absolutely do your own cpd by heading to john cat and having a look at some of their materials there they've got some really good stuff there and tony i know you're quite an avid reader so I definitely recommend you having a browse there but yeah. i feel like i shouldn't be encouraging you to spend money like i've been doing yeah. that a lot with my friends recently like i'm like oh you should totally get this and it's useful stuff but yeah cost of living cozy lives as they've been saying so i need to not influence my friends that way but on that note thank you so much to all our listeners I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And if you are in a school and you are teaching staff, have a wonderful half term. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. 
Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.